welcome to Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the Word. And recently, I preached a sermon entitled, But for the Grace of God. It was sermon number 5415. For those of you who have not heard it, you can listen to it on airjesus.com. 5415, But by the Grace of God. And as I preached this sermon, and when I finished it, as I was standing here on the podium, I heard what I thought was the voice of God. And as I had finished and as I stood, I, I heard the voice speak. That was one of the worst sermons and one of the most no good sermons that you have ever preached. And as I stood there and I heard that, I said, whew, that was bad. And as I walked down from the pulpit and from the podium, and as I just began to shake people's hand as it came up, Person after person after person came up to me talking about how much that sermon had touched them and how much it had blessed them. And I'm standing there thinking, but God, you said this was one of the worst, one of the sorriest, one of the most no good sermons that I had ever preached in my life. And yet I'm getting an unusual number of people coming up to me talking about how the sermon has blessed them and touched them. And I didn't understand it. And later that evening as I was at home and I was sitting at my desk, I heard God again speak to me and simply say, I have allowed you to experience the devil in the dirt. And he said, this is what so many of my people experience when they allow Satan to speak into their spirits about their lives. And I had to let you experience it so that you will understand what other people go through. And my subject today is from that experience, the devil in the dirt. Now, we are actually made from dust. Genesis second chapter, the seventh verse says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. He made us out of actually dust, but we are really dirt. You know, clay is is dirt or ground or earth. Isaiah 64, 8 says, But now, O Lord, thou art our father. We are the clay and thou art. Our potter, and we all are the work of thy hand. Job 10.9 says, Remember, I beseech thee, that thou hast made me as the clay, and wilt thou bring me into dust again? Now, actually, God said that we weren't really made from clay or from the ground or the dirt, but from dust. And you see, dust is dirt, but it's a different kind of dirt. Actually, dust, it is the, it's the finer particles of dirt. And, and dust is, is the lighter stuff, the very meticulously fine particles. And generally, in order for dirt to become dust, it has to get in the air. And, and it gets in the air and, and it rises and eventually settles on something. And that's why if you wipe your hand or finger on a dusty surface... 
It's not the dirt itself. It has risen from the dirt through the air and has settled on something. So God said he, he didn't really make us from the dirt. He made us from the risen stuff. He, he made us from, from the stuff that came from the ground, but spirit or air got in it, rose it up, and, and, it, and it, it takes us out of the miry clay. And it, so he made us from the dust, not really from the dirt. And in Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, as we are talking about the devil in the dirt. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now it is interesting here that, and I want you to see and understand this, as God talked to the serpent and basically cursed the serpent because he has done this. He said, you're going to be cursed above virtually Every beast of the field and upon thy belly shalt thou go. And, and it says this, and I didn't understand this verse and I didn't see this revelation until I, I began dealing with the devil in the dirt. And I've read this and sometimes scripture is like that. You have read the stuff a hundred times and you only see it in a different light when you go through something. And, and when you go through something the scripture transforms and transposes and a whole new meaning opens up to you. And here it says, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. God said that the serpent's diet would be dust. And I always thought that it meant that just because the serpent was condemned to crawl on his belly, that dust would get in his mouth. You know how it is if, if it went back in the old days, and I used to race motorcycles, and, and, and I had a big, well, it used to be big based on motorcycles in that day. It was a Honda 305 twin-cylinder Superhawk, and everybody else had smaller motorcycles than my motorcycle, so when I cranked it up, and when we get ready to race, and when I twisted the throttle, basically what I would tell people is, eat my what? Dust. So, so really... Eating your dust, it really meant if you were crawling around, I thought it always meant that just because he was in the dirt, because he was in the dust, that the dust would just get in the serpent's mouth. And that's what God meant by, but, but that isn't exactly what he said. And I have learned to, to differentiate between what I think and what God actually says. Often they're totally different. And when you really read what God actually said, he didn't say that dust was just going to get in your nostrils or dust was just going to get in your mouth. He said, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Now, he was talking to the serpent, which was a different kind of creature. The serpent was the most subtle creature in all of the garden. He was the trickiest, the smoothest, perhaps even the wisest 
creature in all of the garden. God told the serpent, you're going to eat dust the rest of your life. But the key that hit me was, it's what we're made out of. God told the serpent for the rest of your days, you are going to eat the stuff that the man is made out of. So when you look just like he told Adam, to you every tree that beareth seed, it shall be food or meat unto you. He told Adam and Eve what they were going to eat. He told the serpent what he was going to eat. But the issue is, what God told the serpent he was going to eat is what you're made out of. The serpent's diet, that old serpent called Beelzebub, his diet, that which gives him sustenance, that which makes him full, that which makes him happy is you. And for him to be able to eat you up. The Bible calls it, if you, you may say, and the serpent, he goes to and fro, seeking whom he can what? Devour. Do you know what devour means? Devour means to eat. So basically, as he goes to and fro, seeking whom he can eat, and he eats dust, and that's what you made out of. The devil in the dirt. And as I saw this as it related even to what had happened to me. I, I saw how the serpent can get into so many of us by the subtle things that he'll whisper into our spirit. And those little things that he whispers just as he whispered unto Eve. And, and by whispering gets your attention. See, the, the serpent hisses. And when someone hisses, you listen. When someone says, there is a part of you that perks up because you recognize and realize here is something juicy. But whenever it has to be whispered, you recognize that it may be something that may not be that wholesome. That's why they have to whisper it. And that thing gets into our spirit. And dust thou shalt eat. All the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, this 15th verse of the third chapter of Genesis is often interpreted as the battle between Christ and Satan and his crucifixion. But there is another interpretation and meaning of it because generally scripture, it unfolds with multiple meanings. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. Enmity means animosity, a disagreement, a thing that they can never mesh. Do you know women to this day still don't like snakes? I've got news for you. Not only do women not like snakes, but there are a few men every now and then who also are scared of snakes. Not many, and we don't have any in the ark who are afraid of snakes. But, but, but there are some men, even, who are afraid of snakes. So that and I'm not talking, and you know, most of the snakes in, in the state, most of the snakes are non-poisonous, they can't hurt you. 
But there is just even just a green snake. Now, now sometimes if the snake is a, is, a, is a color that you can't discern whether he's poisonous or not, that's different. But, but even a green garden snake, which everyone knows absolutely cannot hurt you, but just a green snake, a green snake that, that absolutely has no fangs, no poisonous, no nothing, can't bother you any kind of way, just a green snake. There are some men with just a green snake scares them to death. And I've even been in some situations where not even, it doesn't even go as far as snakes. There are some situations where even worms give people the heebie-jeebies. Don't even have to get to a snake. So there, there is something inherent in the very nature of women and men that there's something about a snake that still has that enmity between man and woman and a snake. There's a lake in my backyard. And I will often go swimming in the lake. I had a dock built there so I can just walk out on the dock, hop into the lake and swim from one end to the other as, as much as I want. But, but people will ask me when they see me swimming in the lake, they say, aren't there some snakes in that lake? Because it's more than just snakes in the lake. There are beavers in the lake. There are turtles in the lake. There's all kind of fish in the lake. There are all kind of ducks on the lake. All kind of stuff. But only, it's only one critter that they ask me about. Aren't there some snakes in that lake? I said, yeah, I've seen a snake or two, but they're just, they're more afraid of me than I am. If you hear them, they don't bother you. I've, I've been swimming in this lake for years. Snakes won't, but I mean, grown men out working on the construction crew, big 300-pound men. There's some snake. Ooh, I can't stand snake. Ooh, I wouldn't doubt it. I won't even put my toe in the water. Matter of fact, if you talk about a snake in the lake, they won't even stand on the bank and fish in the lake, much less. So there is still an inherent part of human nature that is terrified of snakes. And I will put enmity. The feeling is still there between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. Now, now the thing is, even the children and the sons and daughters of demons still are at war. Our children and, and the daughters of Lucifer and the sons of Lucifer, the demonic forces, they are still at war with each other. They are still in conflict with each other. And it says this. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And that has another level of interpretation even beyond Christ, just as it deals with our personal battles with some of the things of, of, of the satanic world. It says that we will bruise his head, the seed of the woman, but yet it will bruise our heel. You see, whenever you cast out a demon, you go straight to the top and you get the whole thing. But whenever Satan and the demonic forces attack us, they attack us at our lowest nature and our lowest point. See, the heel is as low as you can go on the body. You just can't go any lower than that. So it is trying to tell us that as the demonic attacks us or enters our spirit, it will enter us. Through the lowest of emotions, through the lowest of feelings, at our lowest point, the demonic attacks us through the lowest that we have, but we have to knock it straight in the head. 
because it will rear its ugly head at us. You've got to take the whole thing out. But it's see, the subtle part enters through our lower natures and through our lower part. When we are feeling down, when we're feeling the worst, that's the easiest time for Satan to enter. God said to ask you one question today, a serious question that I want to just pause for 10 or 15 seconds just to think about. And this is the question that God told me to ask you upon this day. When was the last time the devil told you that you were no good? When was the last time that the devil told you that you were no good? When was the last time? It's a serious question. But when we recognize that question and that answer and who told us that, it can help pull us out of some things in our world. And, and sometimes people, some people have told you, see, sometimes the devil doesn't come in a, in a spiritual form. It's a human who told you you were no good. They, they've been operating under the demonic influence, but sometimes it's a human and they have told you that you were no good. And that thing goes straight to your core, straight to the lower nature. After they have told you, you're no good, I know you're no good, you're not going to ever be any good. And there's something, when is the last time the devil told you that you were no good? On a job, in a relationship, a teacher could have told you that. And that thing sticks with you. And sometimes that kind of stuff can stick with you all your life. You can be a child and have someone tell you, boy, you're not going to ever be anything. And that thing will, it will go straight to your core and straight down to all of the lower natures. And because it's implanted so down deep in you, you never forget it. You never go get over it. And it will become a living fulfillment. When is the last time the devil told you you were no good? And it has nothing to do with truth. I, I see so many people. And because they have been hurt one time. It shadows their whole life. And because this one thing, sometimes you can have one failure. And failure, people will talk about an incident or, or a circumstance or a situation. It's not who you are. You're not failure. You may have had an instance where some things that you tried failed. But it's not you. But if you allow the devil in the dirt to get a hold, it will speak to your spirit. And it will tell you over and over and over and over again, that you're no good. When is the last time the devil told you that you were no good? And see, the, the truth of the situation has nothing to do with what the devil told you. But the devil can take a speck of truth and paint a whole mountain from it. The devil can tell you, say, you know, you made an F on that test. And you did make an F on that test. And the devil can tell you. Because you made an F on that test, you're just not going to make it in school. You know you don't have the brain for this. You might as well drop out now. You might as well go, just go ahead and do something else because you know you made an F on that test. You know you're just not any good at this, don't you? And there's a part of the lower nature in our heel that will say, yeah, you're right about that. And once he can get you nodding your head to when he has told you that you are no good, he's got you. You fail in a relationship. 
And because the relationship went bad. And one thing that happens in every relationship that goes bad, every partner tells the other that they're no good. So if you come out of a bad relationship, I can guarantee you someone has told you you're no good. And as they tell you you're no good, there's a part of that that rings and sticks in your spirit. And you'll hear it when you get ready to try a new relationship. And there will be that word, no good, ring in your spirit. When is the last time the devil told you that you're no good? What have you tried that failed? And because it failed, and Lord knows don't let you try something twice, and it failed, the devil will speak into your spirit. You know you're no good at that. When is the last time the devil told you? You get up to make a speech, just like I did recently, and the devil will speak into your spirit. You know you were no good. And once you get that in your spirit, do you know that roughly... 10 to 20 percent of men are impotent, cannot sexually perform. Do you know one of the biggest problems that causes men not to be able to sexually perform is when they have one failure? They have one failure where it doesn't work. And the next time they remember that failure and it causes what's called performance or sexual anxiety. And because they remember that failure, it messes up the next time. And now they got two failures and that messes up the third time. And all of a sudden, they are completely shut down because of one faith, and it's all in their mind and spirit. When Satan tells you that you are no good, it can shut down your whole world and your whole progress of where you're supposed to go. And people, I'm just here to tell you that God has told you that you are a child of his. See, one thing I always remember, even if I have a failure, I'm a child of God. And and I know the destiny that he has spoken on me. And I know there will be times when it's just like even with preaching. There are going to be some sermons that are just better than others. That's just all it is to all of them are not going to be. There are going to be some that are just better than others. There are going to be some where you feel you did a great job. Some when you feel you just didn't do that high. That's just that's the way life works. The sun doesn't shine as bright every day. Not that it doesn't shine as bright because clouds are in the way. So we're going to have days of ups and downs, but Satan can take our downs and keep us down. Ephesians chapter 3, 8 says, Under me, who am less than the least of all saints, in this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Here, Paul says, look, I am less than the least of all the saints. But Several verses later, he says, my favorite verse in the Bible, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. He says, I'm the least of all in the saints, but unto him who can do abundantly above all that we even ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. You've got to know what power Christ worketh within you, even when you failed. Even when the devil has told you you're no good, you need to keep that devil in the dirt and you need to bruise his head with your heel in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the word. Don't forget about the entrepreneurial youth entrepreneurial program immediately after church downstairs. Everyone go and 
You never know that the next Bill Gates may be downstairs. And you need to tell them. Just as it happens that one person can tell you you're no good and it sticks. One person can also tell you, I see the greatness in you. I see your potential. I know what you're going to be. And you're going to be something awesome. One person can tell you the greatness that is within. And people, each one of us is given that power, especially with youth. You're even given that power with adults. And you decide whether you become a serpent of doom or a carrier of the power and the consecration of Christ. You have a chance today with the youth downstairs. So go and support them and encourage them and let them know the greatness of their destiny. This ends message number 5418 by Nathaniel Bronner. To hear other messages or to send this message number 5418 to a friend, simply go to airjesus.com and theonlineword.com. This has been message number 5418, The Devil in the Dirt. Listen to airjesus.com and theonlineword.com often and keep your spirit charged up.